Welcome to Rooftop Church. This podcast is part of our Sunday sermon series, where each week we dive into the Word of God and the powerful message of Christ. think about it, it really uh, is a means of grace where God has kind of systemized this as a part of our lives so that we are reminded that we belong to the kingdom that is not seen here on earth, that we live with eternity in our hearts. We have a greater reward. We, we, We operate under greater works that is beyond our abilities and our own provision. So I hope to convey these things to you throughout the talk. So let, let me read for us the main passage for today. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. This is the English Standard Version. It's one verse, so why don't we just read together in one voice. Ready? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Amen. Amen. Let's read together. Uh, not, not read. Let's pray before we begin. God, we thank you, Lord. God, we receive these words uh, in faith. God, we receive these words as a great charge and encouragement for us. Again, being reminded that, God, God, what do we have that you have not released unto us first? And God, um, God, I pray for understanding, but God, I pray that you would also touch our hearts, God. God, I know that um, we want to experience your divine provision. God, where there is lack, God, you have come and always surprised us, always released uh, supernatural means of your abundant blessings. And God, uh, be with us as we kind of trek along the topic of money, God, and, and tithing today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I kind of crafted today's sermon with uh, simple questions. So uh, at various turning points of today's sermon, we want to just simply be reminded of these very fundamental, very basic questions so that at the end of the sermon that we would have a better comprehension of what God's design is for you and me. So first question that I want to ask is, what is tithing? And we want to just start very uh, simple that way. What is tithing? The word tithe in the Hebrew language is maser, and the Greek language is tekate. Hebrew language, I understand that it's a little bit more foreign to us, but in the Greek, um, it should come as uh, a little bit more familiar to us because in the Greek language and the Latin word, which many of the English words are derived from, they share the same roots, the same prefix, um, which is deca. Uh, in the Latin uh, language, Latin also has the same prefix, which is deca. Can you, anyone guess what that word means? I'm trying not to look at the, the, the seminary students here. Or... Deca, deci, deco, ten, right? So decagon has a, how many sides? What other words can you think of when you hear the prefix deca? What other words can you think of? Decade, there's, there you go, 10. What, what, what other word? I know that was on my list too, so I, I got one more. Um, more decimal, 
Decimal also shares the word that which the prefix is included, which is deca. So uh, whether it be muster, decate, it really literally means tenth. It's one-tenth portion of anything that we can give back. Or So when we think of tenth 10% or tenth of, particularly this is a Christ, Christian language or terminology where the early practices kind of reminded the people of God the tenth of whatever their portion is that belongs to God. And they had this uh, uh, custom of returning to God out of thanksgiving, be it money, be it talent, be it livestock, or whatever it is. That's um, it's acknowledging God's involvement in our lives. Larry Burkett, um, a Christian author and a financial guru uh, in the earlier years of church ministry, he said this, The tithe serves as an external material testimony of God's ownership of the material and spiritual things of our lives. So tithe is a um, kind of this instituted form where we testify of God's ownership in the things that you and I have. That literal word tithe appears in the Old Testament 28 times after its initial mention in the book of Genesis. And this is kind of surprising, 28 times in the Old Testament, but mentioned just twice in, in, the, all, in all of the New Testament. Once by Jesus in reference to the Mosaic days, and once more in the book of Hebrews, both times uh, were describing Abraham's relationship to Christ by drawing a parallel between Abraham's tithe and his acknowledgement of God's sovereignty in his life. Uh, if you look up this word tithe in even the Webster's Dictionary, I looked at him, the Mir- uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines tithe as this way, a tenth part of something paid as a voluntary contribution for the support of a religious establishment or public services or public purposes. It's a tenth of something that is given away. What is its purpose? For public services or for a religious establishment. And I want to just convey that is very accurate of what the Bible describes. So you understand this tithing is a, uh, the system has been around very long time and also adopted by the secular world where they acknowledge that tenth of something is given over voluntarily. So let's consider when did tithing exactly begin. So let's talk about in the next few minutes of the origin of tithing. Well, it goes back all the way back to the book of Genesis in chapter 14. I'm going to read for us here. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed the Abra- blessed be Abram by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. It appears this, this idea of giving away the tenth of what belonged to a man existed in the book of Genesis, demonstrated by in the life of Abram. Well, let's go for, uh, go back a little bit, go forward a little bit in Genesis chapter 28, verse 20, 
to 22, now Jacob is seen uh, carrying out this old tradition as well. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. It's very important that you recognize that these things come voluntarily. These two things, both Abraham and Jacob, were not mandated, were not directed by God to do what they just did. Jacob, we can certainly see that he's following the example of somebody. I'm guessing that as he was growing up, he probably saw Abraham operating in a similar manner. Both were doing this. Both were giving away the tenth of whatever they had. In response, check out Jacob's prayer. He says, um, if I'm taking it, if you will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, that I may return safely to my father's house. So Jacob, out of need and of the journey that he was on, God, if you allow me to return back to my father's house safely, then in my acknowledgement of your working in my life, then God, I will give tenth of all that I have. Then, after Genesis, then you see in the book of Leviticus, chapter 27, 30, it says, A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. I'm going to take a wild guess that, and say that you probably have never read that verse before. Why? Because oftentimes Levit Leviticus is the book that we, even seasoned Christians, we try to avoid because, man, I think I met one person who's like, you know, I asked, what is your favorite book? And that person said, Leviticus. It was so odd to me, I just walked away in the middle of the conversation. Anyways, Leviticus is, is a book that contained all the little and all the minute laws, minor laws that God has commanded to Moses. And, uh, and sub, uh, uh, in conjunction to the Ten Commandments that who received from the Lord? Ten Commandments. Not Charles Heston, but Moses received. And the Ten Laws, Ten Commandments were not only the commandments that the Jews lived by, there were more than 613 laws that surrounding, branched out of the Ten Commandments. So Leviticus is basically listing all of these minor details and why God instituted those laws. Now you see God systemizing, God installing this law of tithing and instituting in the lives of the Jews. Numbers chapter 18, verse 21. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work they do while serving of the tent of meeting. So we see again, God finally institutes tithing as part of the life and ecosystem of the people of God. Here, the Jews. I want you to really understand the importance and the significance of the mentioning of tithing. Because a lot of times we as Christians, when we approach tithing, 
we think of simply as this is God's command and we should obey the law or the command of God if we love God. I mean, is that, is that right? I mean, we, some of us who grew up in the Christian household, what is our early understanding of tithing? We actually didn't have any understanding of tithing, except that when your mom gave you allowance, hey, make sure you tithe to God. Um, may, am I anyone else that grew up that way? So, like, for me, I, I really had no concept of it. So, uh, the little allowance that I would get, first thing, my mom would say, hey, make sure you tithe to God. 10% set it aside, you give, you give to God, because that's not yours. But we weren't really um, taught um, how tithing even began. So, it's something that we do. If you want a blessing, do it. If you don't, I mean, if you, I mean, we don't even, if you don't, ooh, you're a bad person. Uh, if you tithe, uh, we actually say you're, you're actually thieving God. So we some pl- uh, sometimes, many times, we simplify tithing as, as this because God said so, and we should do it as well. The reason why I read the Genesis narratives for first is because it was actually the response of Abraham and Jacob, God. I recognize all that I have is because you have blessed me. God, I recognize that you have carried me through the difficult portion of my life. And God, I don't have to, but I want to give this to you. Is this making sense? So understand, the laws were put in place not because God demanded, because he acknowledged that this was essential in describing a healthy relationship with God. If you want to know the main motif of the Old Testament, all of these are 48, 40, is this 48? I'm sorry, I'm 47 books. Oh, 47, 47 books in the Old Testament. If there is one theme, is that God is claiming that He is God and His people being led so they can grow in their trusting of their God. That is it. It's about relationships. And tithing was an expression of man acknowledging, God, you are firmly entrenched in my life. And God, you provide for me. God, you take care of me. And in that, God, God, this is my way of including and acknowledging you. Is this making sense? It was always an expression of gratitude, expression of acknowledging God's divine provision. So then tithing is not just an act of obedience. It's not an act of response to, it's not a transactionary. Then tithing is an act of faith, demonstrating that God, not money, not our possessions, is the master over our lives. It's simply acknowledging. So I think this is why it's easier for me to understand. It was not a system. It was never about legality. It's about God saying, you know what? Do this because it's going to help you for the rest of your life so long as that you and I are in a relationship and this will be carried forth. I know a good number of you by now saying, well, Scott, that's great. Thanks for clarifying. I have a better understanding of uh, of tithing, I, I have a better understanding of offering, I have better understanding it's a law. But some of you guys, clever Bible students, may say, well, whatever the laws implemented, whatever the laws conveyed in the Old Testament, 
Jesus says he's the end of the law. Or Paul said that. Well, Jesus came to abolish the law, and he fulfilled all the requirements of the law. So tithing law should no longer be um, applied. In the same way that many ancient Jewish laws do not any longer apply to us as Christians. And you are absolutely right. Congratulations. I told you, Jesus, the tithing is only mentioned twice in the all of New Testament, once only by Jesus. Do you know what Jesus said about giving? Do you know what Jesus said about tithing? Did you know that Jesus never demanded 10% or tithing of your life? Do you know what Jesus suggested during the time of his ministry? And this should scare you a little bit because Jesus said, no, 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 I don't need your tithes. I certainly don't need your offering. He demanded what? 100% of you. Jesus is a smart man. He said, you know, I'm here to up the ante. I'm, I'm here to up your game. He says what? If you look through the Gospels, it was always about the entirety of your life. He says, come, follow me. Literally, the disciples left their proficient, uh, professions. They dropped their nets. Jesus says, if you love your father, if you love your mother, leave them. Leave your house. Abandon everything that you have. Jesus compared that. It's like a man who found a precious stone, precious pearl. Out of joy, he would go home and sell everything. What Jesus demanded or Jesus desired, certainly more than a tenth of what you and I would have. He was all about all. He commanded all of the lordship, moment to moment, day to day, where Christ is deemed above all else. Now, does that kind of clarify of what tithing is? We talked about the origin of tithing. goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And we have a clear understanding of what tithing is. Well, the next question is like, well, that's, well, that's great, but why should I tithe? Why should I tithe? Let's remember it's actually for us. So the primary reason is still uh, because it is biblical, because it's a principle and a system that God installed, or God kind of alluded to us, uh, ex- uh, explaining the nature of God's relationship with his people. And if you read Malachi chapter 3, verse 10, the main text for today, and, and prophet Malachi just kind of unfolds and reminds people, well, do this. You have to understand, and if you don't, and it says, don't rob God. Malachi was a prophet for the people of Israel. He's, in fact, the last known prophet before we transition onto the, the messianic era, which is the birth of Jesus, uh, three years of ministry, and church being born as subsequent to his death and resurrection. So Malachi was the last prophet, and after him, they went 400 plus years of not getting a single message from people, I mean, from the message, uh, from God himself. During the ministry of Malachi, and, and by the time, if you're a Jew, you have laws, right? You have the mosaic laws. You have a do this, don't that, don't kill, don't murder, do not have a, uh, do not be, uh, do not commit adultery. What else? 
honor your father, mother, and all of these, do not eat meat, do not do this, in a very specific way. And, and sacrifices and giving offerings and tithes were actually um, a part, of the, part of the system of their society. But by Malachi's time, people were skimping out on giving towards the storehouse of God. Instead of giving um, their firstborn of the cattle, of the livestock, they begin to bring sick animals and begin to fill the storehouses. They begin, instead of bringing the first fruits of the grains and, and, and all the fruits of their labor, they brought the ones that would be rejected. So God is conveying to Prophet Malachi, how, how can you do this? How dare you, you, you rob God? The very least that we could be doing, the very least we should be doing, instead of God bringing God our firstborn, instead of bringing God the first fruits of our hard labor, recognizing we have because God has given us, now people were giving the things that they themselves would not consume on their own. Kind of sad, isn't it? Again, why should we give? Why should we tithe? It because, again, goes back to, it's the simplest way, it's the most practical way of acknowledging that you and I exist. You and I have life, not high, you and I, you and I have all that we have because God has graciously provided for us. And it's a reminder we are physically reminded as in the act of giving or giving back to God. How many of you guys have heard the terminology? Offerings and tithes are actually, we're not just giving, we're giving back to God. I like the terminology because it's a reminder for me that I'm just a simple steward. What does a steward mean? The modern day language translates it to what? Manager. How many of you guys are managers here in your work professions? I imagine. How many of you guys are managers at home? Yeah, all the ladies' hands should go because you manage everything and everybody in the household. When you manage, you recognize I'm just simply taking, taking care of something that does not necessarily belong to me. Tithing acknowledges us that God, what I have is actually yours. You know, we dedicated two children today. Uh, we took just a few minutes. Do you know that that act, the children dedication, that's actually, it's, it's the same concept of offering. It's kind of saying, God, this child, the kids, wonderful, beautiful, sometimes crazy children, we're saying, God, they're precious gifts from you. And I'm going to say this. this. This may rub you the wrong way when I say this. Your children, they're not yours. Your precious babies, for all the days of your life, they're not yours. The way you should pray, the way you should raise your children, you should raise them being reminded that they're gifts of grace from God, say, hey, I'm releasing this blessing onto you, and you are the, simply the caretakers of my prevent, uh, providential blessing for you. And God says, before you, lo- I, 
I'm not saying you don't love your kids. I'm, God is saying, but are you ready to commit them to me? In all the days of your children's lives, should they be reminded every time that they are taken care of, they should also be reminded through your teaching that they're being taken care of their God, by, by God. They should have this knowledge of, I belong to God. So we treat our material possessions and monetary possessions that we have in the same manner that we treat our children. So why do we do this? Why do we tithe? Why should Christians be faithful in giving and tithing? Because two things. It does the work of God on earth and heaven. It, it also tithing works in us and for us. And the, second, the next question should kind of inform of us the practical way of why tithing exists. Next question is, how should I tithe then? Where should I tithe to? In Malachi 3.10, it says, bring all the tithes into storehouses. Pay attention to that word storehouse. Storehouse is literally, think, think of a barn. Think of a building, think of a house dedicated for crops and cattle. So literally the people of God, uh, usually it, it sat right outside the temple. It, it sat out oftentimes in conjunction to where the Levites, mean the priests, they lived. and They took care of the house of God. They took care also of the storehouses. So people brought their offering. People brought whatever they could, the first fruits of their labor. And, and they would store them. And in that house, uh, the priests, the tribe of Levi, will live there, and they will be sustained as they perform their priestly functions. Is this making sense? How many guys remember when Israelites left Egypt? What were they promised? Say, speak up. It's okay. What were they promised? They were going, they left Egypt, and they had their, their prize was what? The promise, promise, land. God promised them land. That's why Canaan was called the promised land. So meaning the people of Israel who spent more than four centuries lived out, lived without their own country. They were slaves. So God says, when I, when I take you and replant you in a new place, all of the people of God, all the Israelites, all the 12 tribes of Israel, they were promised what? Land, real estate, homes. Oh, that would be great in today's society, wouldn't that be? God said, you're my people. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to give you land. I'm going to hook you up. You could build a house. You could build a farm. Raise animals, do whatever you want, because this land is yours. That's amazing, isn't it? Well, every single one of those 12 tribes except one got land. Uh-oh. Imagine, like, 12 tribes. I mean, talk, talk about, like, jealousy, fight, being, being disgruntled. One day you wake up, you go to the town hall meeting, and, the, hey, all the 12 representatives, come on up. And the leader says, now, this is what God says to us. Tribe of Benjamin, you receive this lot. Tribe of Reuben, you receive this lot. From here to there, that's your lot. Tribe of Levi, come on up. Representative comes up. 
By the way, tribe of Levi, you have no land today. Yay! From early on, the priests, he said, instead of getting land, you will be the primary caretaker of the storehouse of God while performing temple duties. They were the worship leaders. They were the ones that read the laws of God. And they reminded 11 other tribes, hey, remember your buddies, Levi tribes? They don't get any land. But now it is your responsibility so that the priests and their descendants and their families, they, now they depend on your giving. Now, does that make sense? The Levites did not farm. They did not raise cattle. It was a responsibility of the other 11 tribes to fill the storehouse of God so the Levitical people, uh, uh, Levites, would be sustained. Also, it provided for the orphans and the widows. There were people without husbands, whether they were killed, ill, whatever, they could not work. So their widows and orphans existed from early on. Now the storehouse of, storehouse of God is the means of providing for them. You know what else the law suggested? Well, we can't just take care of the Jewish orphans and widows. Now, let's take care of what? The foreigners, the, uh, what's the term I forget? Uh, the Gentiles. If you ever see a Gentile orphan or Gentile widow, make sure you take care of them. And they resorted to the storehouse of God. This is making sense, guys? What is the storehouse equivalent in today's society? What is today's equivalent to the Levitical people, the Levites? The storehouse is kind of like the church, and the Levites are kind of like what? The pastors, the worship leaders, the people that take care of the ins and, ins and outs of the storehouse of God. So understand that that's the principle that is carried to modern day. When you tithe, you tithe into the storehouse of God, which is equivalent to the local church. In your case, it should be the local church which you are a member of. So where should your tithing and offering go? You give to the church that you belong to. So that the house of God, the storehouse of God, can perform its priestly duties. We carry worship. We teach the word of God. We also evangelize. We help the poor, the widows, the orphans, with the homeless ministry. So that we exist to demonstrate God's love and God's provision. Is this making sense? Very practical. I'm almost done, guys. Bear with me. Uh, a former church member, this was about 10, 10, 12 years ago. I was, you know, I had just taken over a ministry at that time, and I was meeting up with um, all the members. My first quarter, my mission for that first quarter of ministry, taking over the ministry was to meet with every single person that I had on the roster. So I, I just assumed that this particular member had no experience of meeting with a pastor, seemingly. So I, I, that's the only reason I could think of. So the we met up for coffee. As soon as I sat down, I said, Pastor, before you begin, I just want you to know that I don't tie to the church. I just want you to know that 
you can't talk to me about giving offering to the church. I'm like, bro, I just sat down for a cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm not even asking. I just barely know your name. I said, don't talk to me about giving. Don't talk to me about offering. Because I give my offering goes to a missionary brother that I have, so I'm not giving to the church. So don't talk to me. Don't, don't ask me for money because I'm not giving. I'm like, I think I need to talk to you about what is wrong with your faith. <laughs> it's, not about, it's not about money. It's like, well, and that kind of like, that was a conversation. But he justified that he's giving towards his brother that's in need, supporting missions, and he's saying, I'm not going to give because I won't have enough. And if, I wish he was sitting in this room today because he needs to hear the word of God. He needs to understand the purposes of tithing. Tithing is what you give to the body that you belong to. You give to the storehouse that you belong to. Missions offering, mercy offering, love offering, that is not part of the tithes. Does that make sense, guys? So understand that um, when you tithe, we give towards the, the, the temple services or the church services that you are a part of. Where should I tithe? So you, sh- you tithe to your local church. How should I tithe? First of all, give cheerfully. Can we do that? I mean, sometimes we're givers. We give, but a lot of times out of reluctance. We are like cheap givers. Can I say that? When we give, we need to be better at being cheerful givers. Um, And because why? The Bible says God loves cheerful givers. You don't have to be God to love cheerful givers. Who loves like sour givers? Who loves grumbling givers? You know, my my wife's birthday is coming up in a couple weeks. My boss's birthday is coming up, so I'm thinking about it. Um, Let's say suppose, honey, this is just hypothetical. Let's suppose I'm going to get her a gift this time. Okay, let me, let me rewind, change my example. Let's suppose, right, I'm going to get her a gift. And I'm going to, I thought about it. I, I went out of my ways to get it. And upon giving this gift to my beloved wife, and as I'm presenting this gift, I go on on a rant for 10, 15 minutes about, honey, you don't understand to the extent of trouble that I went through. You don't understand how this is making a, a, an impact on my, my monthly Budget planning. You don't understand. I was so tired. I was like, man, you don't understand the trouble that I went to. Oh, man, for the next month and a half, I have to now live on Pop-Tarts and expired milk. Now for the, actually, oh, my gosh. But <sighs> happy birthday. I love you. If you have birthday cake, please share some with me because I'm really, really hungry because in getting you this gift, I'm going to have to starve for the next two weeks. What does that do to my wife? Some of you guys know my wife, maybe. You know what she's going to do? She's just going to walk away. Dude, get out of here. I don't want this gift then. Like, I mean, it was hypothetical. I'm not going to get her a gift, okay? So, actually, I'm just going to, I'm going to be in trouble all day long, right? Suppose that happens. Would the recipient ever want to receive that gift? 
And I actually thought about it. I actually thought about it, and I said, God, maybe if the gift is big enough that I wouldn't mind such poor attitude. You know what? I sat there. Even then, I said, no way. Because then that's not a gift. That's not a gift. I would never, no matter how crazy amount of money that is, if something, some condition, if something that is attached, if the giver is not willing, that is not a gift. So let's be reminded as we tithe, as we give offering unto the Lord, you and I, we need to make sure that we give cheerfully. Amen? Without grumbling, without complaining, without saying, God, this is so hard, God, please. Then I'm pretty sure God's going to say, why don't you just hold off? Because he's saying, it's not about me, man. I, you're not doing, you're not, because I, I, I don't gain much from you. From the very beginning, this was about you, you benefiting. Second, give tithes first. Do not spend all of what you have and wait until what you have left over because usually there won't be any left over. I have a pretty good guess that that's what, exactly what the Israelites did at the time of Malachi. They waited until the monthly tabulations were completed. They waited until the end of the life cycle of the cattle and the animals and the crops, and they gave what was left over then unto God. The key, um, the key, uh, well, the Jewish thought in approaching the tithes was that if it was not usable by the giver, that it was not deemed acceptable as a tithe and offering. Does that mean? Does that make sense? So, a very practical way for you and me is that we should learn to give at the beginning of whatever financial cycle is. Because out of practice, God, first fruits, God belongs to you. I'm not scaring you. I'm not threatening you. But I'm just saying, by the order of the Bible incidents that happened in the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 4, first murder took place because over the concept of offering unto the Lord and worship. Abel gave the best. Cain held back. Cain gave whatever so-so gift. And God said, I'm delighted by Abel's gift, but Cain, I don't know about you. Cain got so outraged and jealous. It was a bad day for both Abel and Cain. (laughs) So you and I, we should learn to give tithes first. I know that we have some members at church, uh, they wait until the very end of the year. I don't know how they do it. It, it must take so much discipline and willpower to, to wait until the very end. It takes super science management power. <laughs> but if that's you, by all means. But I'm saying practically, I have seen over the case that if you do not give your first, man, we rarely, we, we end up cheating God as a result. So practically, give tithes first. Last practical advice that I have is Start tithing now. Don't wait. I know that some of you guys are thinking, well, I don't make money. I don't make enough right now. Right now, things are t- I'm going to wait until things get better. How many of you guys know that it's actually, if you don't have the practice and habit of giving, even when you have an abundance, you're not going to be better at giving. At least 10%, at least a tenth, learn to do this now. When I make my million bucks, I will. I don't know how. Somehow, good, that lotto's going to, just kidding. 
only way I give to God when I have even greater abundance is when I have practiced learning to give even in my lack. So do it, do it right away. The rewards of tithing life is such that, so, okay, I get it, Scott. God said so in the Bible. It's good for us. It's a reflection of our life. I understand that as a church member, I now have the responsibility of filling out the storehouse of God. Here are the rewards. Tithing reminds us of the truth that we belong to God. That's good because that means God is responsible for your welfare. Meaning God wants to see you prosper and do well more than you want to see yourself prosper. God is more interested in in having your needs be met than you yourself are more concerned about your needs being met. Unreserved commitment results in unrestrained blessing. Let me say that again. Unreserved commitment results in unrestrained blessing. Remember that when we give, when you and I tithe and give offering unto the Lord, God is saying, now see what I can do. Did you guys know that this is one of the only time that God says, you can test me in this? God says, I'm asking you to do something, and you could empirically collect data, and he says, now, oh, thank you for honoring me. Thank you for acknowledging my involvement in your life. Now, see what I can do. See what I will do in response to your act of faith. Let me get the worship team to come up front. Some people say, some people shy away from talking about offerings and tithings. Oh, it must be so difficult for pastors. It must be so difficult to talk finances in the context of church and spiritual life. To me, I don't see, I think because, again, going back to last week's sermon, God even knew early on the human heart. God knew from the very beginning the human propensity for worrying, stressing, even fearing living a life of lack. When given the opportunity, given the means, God also knows that we would trust ourselves than the ways and the provisions of God. For this reason, God says, learn to celebrate my provision. Learn to acknowledge me. Learn to give the right way. Because that's, again, God is saying, it's not about me. He has far less to gain than what you have to gain as a result of your giving and committing. And practically speaking to you guys, we have the responsibility now. And what's the number? I forget. Um, There's a terminology. uh, They say the 80-20 principle. 
that every uh, and given average church, local church, operates on the 80% of the giving is actually done by the 20% of the membership. That's very concerning, isn't it? That's a scary thought. 20% of the people constituting for the 80% of all of its resources. I fear if that really true, if that really is a true, uh, the, if that really is a true case, I don't know. That's concerning. But I also know that if every member of any church faithfully ties, I know that there is not a single thing that they cannot do. No work of God they feel compelled to do will never go undone if every person of God is faithful in giving. Because that's the system, that's the promise that God has made. As long as you're faithful in giving and tithing, every orphan will be taken care of. Every riddle will be fed. Every person that is marginalized and mistreated will never go unnoticed. They will experience the divine provision of me. Rooftop Church, may you and I walk in this grace. May you and I experience God's miraculous provision even in the seasons of difficulty. God, today we pray that this is not just an Old Testament law. God, it's not just something that we have to do out of duty. But God, may we experience the joy of releasing back onto you what you first have given to us. Every job that we have, every promotion that we have experienced, every thing that we have, the house, the cars, even our children, God, would you begin to make clear of your ownership upon these things. And God, we as your people return to you. God, we open up our hands.